0: Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically... Helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem.
1: That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You, you have an iPad, you got a paper-like... And I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you.
0: It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil, to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that
1: I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paperlike products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So to pick up your paper like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click buy paperlike. And select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Klytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today?
0: to bring back his body hello everybody and welcome to war rocket ajax this is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast and we are your hosts my name is chris sims with me as always is matt wilson matt
1: how are you chris i'm okay just now, before we started recording, I had to tell you that the air fryer I bought and you... you tried to kill me? That you tried to murder I, me? I did not say that. I did not insinuate that. Anyone listening to this? You wrote that comic, and then you tried to make it come true? Is that what you everyone, mean? Everyone listening to this, who has any kind of legal standing, judges, attorneys, law enforcement... I've not mm-hmm. done any such thing. I bought Chris an air fryer like two Christmases ago.
0: <laughs> Matt installed and, a time bomb in my home,
1: and it's been recalled. <laughs> <laughs> One of several air fryers I bought for family and friends that I now have to tell them <laughs> has been recalled.
0: So, so, what you're saying is, is this is a this is a spree?
1: Like you can't stop yourself. From yes, I'm, I'm. I'm like the character uh-huh. Bruce Tim played in the episode of Batman the Animated Series, the Gray Ghost. Did Bruce Tim play that guy? Yeah. Wow!
0: Incredible, Matt. Don't don't try to to murder the people you do podcasts with, though.
1: I did not. I did not try to murder anyone. Uh-huh. This is this is slander. You will be hearing from my attorney. Okay,
0: well, let me just ask you like a series of quick questions, and so we can clear all this up. Um, <laughs> is there a thing in my home right
1: now that could kill me that you put there? I don't think it has caused any deaths. I don't think okay. it will or would kill you. Okay. It could all burn right, you. That's...
0: Oh, okay. All right, that's not... You see how
1: that's not better? It's it's better. It's It's not good, but it's better. Injury is better. Got a great than, yeah, show for everybody today, we do. Speaking of things from 1993, like Batman the Animated Series, we're reading six issues of Mark Gruenwald written Captain America, except it's only five issues because one of them's a fill-in.
0: Because one of them's by Roy Thomas, and I saw that and I was like, we don't need to read
1: this for the show, and immediately skipped it. Same. Sorry. Although it is a wild issue that is a World War II flashback with. A lot of Franklin Delano Roosevelt in it. I'm sure it is. Yeah, uh, but we won't be discussing that issue, but we will be discussing five issues written by Mark Grunwald of Captain America in our ongoing read of the Mark Grunwald run of Captain America. So when we get to that part of the show, we'll be doing that. But before we get to that, Chris, we have business to take care of, as we always do here at the top of the show. And our first bit of business is thanking our newest supporters on Patreon.
0: That's right, Matt. Now, these are the people who have gone all the way down to 625 Gimmick Street. And you know what's down there. You know what's down at 625 Gimmick Street. It would be right next door to the Scott Hall estate. To recap, this section of the lore, 619 Gimmick Street, that's where Rey Mysterio lives. Right. Next door to that, 620 Gimmick Street, that's where Kevin Nash lives. 621. 621 Gimmick Street, yes. 623 Gimmick Street, of course, next door to where Kevin Nash lives, that is uh, the estate of the late Scott Hall, RIP. Uh, and then, so you know what's next to that?
1: I don't. What, what is there?
0: <laughs> well, you would think, you would think, based on that, like, based on that trend, that it would be <laughs> Sean Waltman's house. But it's not. That's at one, two, three Gimmick Street.
1: Oh, I thought it would be at six.
0: It, six Giving Street. He still He he gets paid. That is right. At SYXX Giving Street. Uh-huh.
1: It's it's uh, Sean Michael's house. It's at six twenty five? Oh, three. okay, okay. So we're getting all that, the members of the Click. Yeah, that
0: area of Gimmick Street is is the Click neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, that actually goes. <laughs> that actually, gets, there's, there's an intersection there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, it's 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 um, it's <laughs> Sweet Boulevard is right there. Right, too sweet. It start, it, yeah, starts right there. <laughs> <laughs> so right there at the corner. It's uh, it's it's it Street, and then it's too sweet, too sweetful. <laughs> It's like 14 years, folks. 14 years we've been doing this. So, uh, Patreon. That's where you can go if you want.
1: <laughs> uh, I can take it from here if you want, Chris. <laughs> yeah, if you can, you,
0: go to the Patreon, help for the show, pay those gimmicks they keep sending them the mail called
1: bills. Matt, take it away! Here are our newest Patreon supporters. Uh, we only have one to read out on the show. It's James McEwen. Thank you, James. If you would like to be like James and help us out here on the show, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash warrocketajax and kicking in as little as a dollar a month to make sure that we do this show weekly, that we do every story ever monthly, that we do comics catch up monthly, and that we do movie fighters and snack situation On alternating months, all of those shows are made possible by your support on Patreon, and it is soon to be Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up the first of the month. So that's a time when a lot of people hop on to the Patreon. Uh, It might be a good time for you to do that. As a patron, you get every single one of those shows I listed a moment ago completely ad-free. You get your own personalized feed for Ad-free shows, and if you're at the level for bonus audio, all the bonus audio that we produce and put up on Patreon, sometimes that's stuff that we record special just for Patreon supporters. Sometimes it's outtakes from the show that I cut out because the show runs long, and so I give those bits of show to just the Patreon backers. You can also get line-stepping privileges. For our segments, including Thursday Night Raw and Every Story Ever, the two that are going on right now. And also Physical Rewards. I believe we have a t-shirt design for 2023. Uh, As soon as tax season is behind us, I will see about making sure that those t-shirts get produced. So if any of that sounds like you're into it and you would like to have it and to support us... You can head over to Patreon and help us out. If you are unable to help us financially, which, you know, makes some some of us aren't able to do that right now, you can help us out in other ways. You can go to uh, the podcasting app that you use and leave us a five-star review. That would help us out a whole bunch. Or you could just spread the word about the show on social media or when you see your pals in person. Tell them about a podcast you like. This one right here. Chris, with that, it's time for some Checks and wrecks. What do you say? I think we should do it. So come on and before you wreck what do you have to check in with this week, Chris?
0: Matt, the wild thing about it is I know that joke's not that funny. I know the uh, bit
1: is not that funny. I think it, the fun of it is that we we like it so much. We do like it. You and me like it a lot, I think. The Gimmick Street gag, we haven't been doing it for 14 years. We've been doing it for maybe three. We've been doing the Gimmick Street gag for a while. I would love to find out
0: if anybody remembers when the Gimmick Street bit
1: started. I would love that, because it's been a while. Well, we talked about Gimmick Street for quite a while before we created Gimmick Street. So, so it yeah. goes. But n- nonetheless, what's going on besides Gimmick Street lore with you? I'm fucking cold, Matt. Which is wild because it was 77 degrees here today. Oh, that's that's
0: that's wild because we had a historic snowfall here in a beautiful downtown. South of downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota, where it was projected to have up to two feet of snow in the span of about 36 hours, uh, which would be a lot. And then people got like all grumpy about it and like started getting up in the uh, the National Weather Service uh, Twin Cities DMs up in their replies being like, oh, so it's uh, 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 we didn't get that much. And it's like, yeah, but we did still get over a foot. So, as the person who shovels at this at this address here
1: on Gimmick Street, buddy, that's a lot of snow. Yes, you were the informer who's letting me know about a lot of snow. It's true.
0: What's but weird like about that song is the, the guy flatly says, snow won't turn informer.
1: Right. It's, it's about him not being an informer. Yeah. Yeah. You can trust snow. <laughs> Here's the thing. Weather right now is so it? normal. It's super normal and like not concerning, I think. It's so normal because there's historic snowfall in Minneapolis and the trees outside my window are budding because it is over 70 degrees every day. <laughs> Year mm, in great. late February, yeah, uh, yeah. But like, a-
0: AC was going to go on a little trip and uh, had to cancel it due to the weather. Uh, we've pretty much just been inside. Tell you who doesn't like it and who doesn't understand why she can't just go out and and enjoy the outdoors. And that is biscuit the dog, upset. Let me tell yeah. you, I can imagine uh, you might hear her on this very broadcast being upset about it. Matt, what have you been up to while I've been here behind a wall of of
1: of ice? Well, Chris, weather is something we as human beings cannot control. We have no control over it as individuals. Certainly we as human beings have had have exerted some level of influence over the weather uh, the past few years, but as individuals can't control it, right?
0: With the exception of Cobra Commander, I would say that
1: is correct. But what we can control, something we can control, is our consumption of media. And our creation of media. And I have created a new bit of media that will soon be funding. I can't reveal the exact date that it will start yet, but it will be soon. It will be within the next month or so. Uh, I've created media that will be funding soon on Zoop, the comics crowdfunding website. Zoop, and everyone listening to this should one back it, and two tell everyone they know about it. Agreed. You can go to the placeholder page for the campaign right now. It's up. It's at Zoop.gg slash c. The letter C slash imposter syndicate. Imposter is spelled with two O's. So I-M-P-O-S-T-O-R syndicate. What is there right now is a box where you can enter your email address to get notified when the campaign launches, a quick description of what imposter syndicate is about, and a video in which I tell you what it's about. And you can see some preview art drawn by The incredible artist Rodrigo Vargas, who I cannot believe is not a comics art superstar yet.
0: Incredible. Absolutely incredible, Rodrigo. Just like mind-blowing every time I see uh, his stuff.
1: Yeah. I am so lucky to have Rodrigo doing the art on this book. Uh, So what we're funding, what we're going to be funding, is the first two issues. This is the book I've been talking about for years and years now. You may recall an episode where Chris and I were at a con, we recorded it in the hotel room and it was like us at the lowest we've ever been on the show. It was a grim time, buddy. Yeah. And I was talking about how I there's one comics project I've wanted to do forever and I decided on that episode that I was going to make it happen. It has that was like 5 years ago. It has taken me this long to try to bring this to life. I've brought this to every publisher I could think of. I've tried everything I can to make this happen. This is a comic I've been wanting to make for, no joke, 20 years. I know exactly how long it's been, because this started as an epic pitch, and epic happened in 2003. (laughs) Like that episode, that issue of Marvel that described how you could submit to Epic came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. This is the book I initially submitted as a Epic pitch, and then I reworked it into an independent comic, and I've been trying to get it made ever since. It's what I've always thought was a great idea for a comic, and thankfully no one has made this exact idea in that 20 years since. It is... If a supervillain dies or retires, which seems like it would happen to them all the time, how do they find a replacement? And in this book, they find actors who are down on their luck, who are hard up for work, and they hire them as the replacements for the supervillains. Because there are people who have a financial interest in keeping the fight between supervillains and superheroes going indefinitely. So that's what's getting funded on Zoop. I will certainly let everybody know once the campaign starts, but I especially want to lo- want to let all the Ajax listeners know to give this project especially the Ajax bump and share it. Share it, share it, share it. Tell everybody you know about it who might be interested because it's going to need every bit of juice. To get to the goal and hopefully get to like the stretch goals, which I've recruited some pals, some friends of the show to do art for stretch goals. So this is the official announcement. The campaign will start soon. Please help me. (laughs) I need all the help I can get on this. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Matt, I'm genuinely
0: so excited for this and i'm so excited for you i you and i have talked about this uh project before and i've always thought it is an incredible idea it's one of those that that i i heard you you talk about and i was like fuck that is i i was mad that i hadn't thought about it yeah Uh, so i am so looking forward to seeing this finally happen and uh supporting the uh the zoop campaign and uh Uh, telling everybody I know, which kind of is everybody you know, that they should back it as well. Chris, what do you have to recommend? Let's do some recommendations. Matt, last week, I I mentioned that I was trying out some some of those first-person shooters on the old Steam deck. Mm -hmm. Seeing how I liked them. Seeing how they hit me. So I played a little bit of Wolfenstein The Old Blood. Like video games about shooting Nazis in the face. Turns out I'm very bad at first-person shooters, so that's a problem. Well, you you have a long history of not playing them. I do. I have a very long history of not playing them, and therefore I think I should be forgiven for not being good at these games that aren't even really video games. (laughs) (laughs) Like, everybody knows real video games have Dracula, and yeah, you're in a castle, but it's, it's like you look at it sideways. That's how it works. Somebody pointed out once that the two things I really, really love are Metroidvanias and like cutaway designs, like cutaways of superhero headquarters, yeah. and how those are basically the same visual aesthetic. Very similar, yeah. Yeah, I had not thought about it, but that's true. I do love that. Um, but I will say this. I purchased some of these uh, Bethesda uh, first-person shooter games on a, a website that I'm not going to give the name of, because it's... it's uh, they don't. They don't sponsor. They could, but one of the things they they told me at that website was like, "Hey, if you give us like two dollars, we'll give you like two mystery games." And I was like, "Well, I'm going to spend two dollars on bad video games, like that's inevitable." So yeah, let's let's drop two bucks and see what we got. And one of the games that I got uh, is is called Wayward Souls: Curse of Shadows, and it is. A really, really fun little roguelike that has a, uh, like, like, sort of the Zelda uh, setup of it. Like that kind of top down view that you play as different characters, and each one has their own storyline. Each one has their own different abilities. And it's a fun little game. For a dollar, which is what I paid for it, it's highly, highly enjoyable. And uh, was holding me over for what I thought might be my Wreck this week, but what I haven't actually had a chance to play yet, uh, which is Grim Guardians, uh, which is a new Metroidvania. The actual full price, if you go onto Steam for Wayward Souls, is 6 bucks, And it is, I-, I would say, almost certainly worth that. But if you can, if you can get it for a dollar, absolutely do so. Yeah, why not? Matt. What do you have to recommend for the people other than heading over to zoop.gg and uh and checking out uh your upcoming and fantastic comic?
1: My recommendation is a show, a documentary series that you can watch right now on Peacock, on National Broadcasting Corporation Universal Peacock bird streaming service. Mm.
0: Are you, Matt, are you talking about National Broadcasting Corporation Fesianine
1: Paviani? Yes. This series is called Paul T. Goldman. And, Chris, have you heard anything about this? I know nothing about this, Matt. This All is right. the first I've heard. I had not heard of it until I got a message from our mutual friend. Also, mutual podcast co-host Benito Serino, about it, and he he just basically just texted me and said, "Have you seen Paul T. Goldman?" And I said, "What is that?" <laughs> and he said, "It is this show on Peacock, this documentary show on Peacock, that is like if Nathan Fielder made a true crime documentary." And okay, he was not wrong. In fact. Many of the people behind this series, Paul T. Goldman, are involved in one way or another with Nathan Fielder projects. Jason Wolner, who is the director of the whole series, and who also appears in the series at multiple points, directed a number of episodes of Nathan For You. So, Jason
0: Wollner, also a, uh, a, a best show guy. Yeah.
1: So, it has that feel to it. But this is and this is very important. The show is not entirely a goof. What you're gonna think from the beginning is because Paul T. Goldman is the pen name of a guy who wrote a bunch of books on Amazon, like self-published books on Amazon about his wife, his ex-wife, being a criminal and being part of like this huge criminal syndicate. And he really believes all this, and he's really written all these books about it. Now, at first, it's going to seem like, as you're watching the show, that the whole joke is just that this guy, Paul, is just a weirdo, just a weird guy. And you're going to think that's you know that's the joke. He's a weird guy. But that is not just what this show is about. And where it ends up is really, really, really not where you expect it to go. Okay. And I don't want to give away any more than that. I think it is definitely worth checking out just to like see where it ends up. Fair warning, very much of the humor is very cringy, And very much of it is based on this guy being a weird guy who is pretty delusional. But I can't even start to explain how strange it is for it to end up where it ends up. So, if that sounds interesting to you, I found it fascinating. It's like six episodes on Peacock. Go check out Paul T. Goldman. Because I was like, as soon as I watched the first episode, I was like, I gotta watch all of this as quickly as possible. Um. It's, it's a super fun time. So if you're into that, go check it out. And with that, Chris, now that we've made our checks and wrecks, it's time to talk about some comics. What do you say? Let's do it. There is no Texter's Choice winner for this week. The Texter's Choice was Mark Grunwald Captain America comics.
0: <laughs> That's true. That is kind of the, uh, the, the eternal
1: Texter's Choice winner but there is a comic that you were very eager to talk about Chris and i did not read it but i sh- definitely should go read it because this is this is the new chapter of superman comics the whole brand new superman number 1 written by Joshua Williamson with art by Jamal Campbell and just looking at this book the art is
0: stunning. Jamal Campbell is incredible on yeah. this book. It feels weird to say remember because to me th- this is not that long ago. But I haven't seen any new stuff from him in a while. But like, it's got that Daniel Acuna or Acunya mm. uh, look yeah. to it, but yeah. not quite as stylized. That same kind of like shininess and detailed faces, but not quite as far over the top as that.
1: Yeah, Daniel Acuna I tend to think of as being almost uh, artificial isn't the word, but like the art is very posed.
0: It, it it has a, like, the the reason I stuttered a little bit is that Acuna's art is always like kind of plasticine, but mm, yeah. I don't necessarily
1: mean that in a bad way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- this Jamal Campbell art does kind of have that feel to it, but it's also very, like, kinetic and comic booky, for lack it's of like a better the, way of putting
0: it. It's like the slickness and kind of, like, color palette of, like, Arcuna with, like, the faces and, like, energy of, like, almost a Kevin Maguire. It's really, really great art. And one of the reasons that I want to talk about this book, Beyond the Art, though, Is that I felt like for the entirety of Dark Crisis, we kept being like, no, 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 no. We like Joshua Williamson. We think Joshua Williamson's a good writer. And kept feeling the need to qualify that. But this, I think, is kind of the proof of that in action. Because this is like a really, really interesting Superman comic with a cool setup and like a lot of really cool ideas and a new status quo and a really cool new relationship to Lex and a co- like a cool new status quo for Lois Lane. It's got Jimmy Olsen talking about a girlfriend that we don't see at all through the entire issue, which means that we will be eventually seeing Jimmy Olsen's new girlfriend. And I'm very excited for that because I do feel like Joshua Williamson is someone who likes Jimmy Olsen in In the way that I also like Jimmy Olsen, it's got a new status quo for LexCorp, which is really interesting. And just a lot of really cool stuff going on that doesn't do anything with Superman that I don't think should be done. Like... Superman, part of the setup and part of the the reason that this book immediately grabbed me from the first few pages is that we start off with Superman fighting Livewire. And there's a voice that keeps telling him how he could kill her instantly. And, you know, like, hey, if you ignore the bystanders, you could just focus on her. Like, you know, use your ice breath, break her arm. Like, it, it would be very easy for you to take this out, but you're wasting time and what you find out is that's just lex luthor talking out loud because he knows superman is always listening for his voice it's really good it's a really yeah.
1: good idea. i i really need to read this i i'm fascinated just by the the title logo treatment alone <laughs> yeah which is a slightly modified classic superman logo yeah uh so yeah, I, I definitely gotta catch up on, on this this book. I'll I'll read it ASAP. I wanna to point at to this book
0: and part of it is frustration and part of it is me going, no no no, see? We really do. We really do like it. Yeah. We really do like Josh Williamson.
1: Chris, I also wanted to talk about issue ten of the current She-Hulk series which is written by Rainbow Rowell with art by Takeshi Miyazawa. It is very interesting, unexpected, and cool that Rainbow Rowell has very gradually made She-Hulk into fully a romance comic. That's exciting. Because there are no superhero fights in this issue. There is She Hulk being upset about which she perceives as being dumped, and doing the classic breakup stuff with Patsy, where they like sit around and drink wine and talk it all over. She does go and argue a court case. <laughs> She, uh, her client is a doombot and it's pretty fantastic. And then, uh, by the end of it, the person that she thinks dumped her, Jack of hearts returns. And she talks about how she wants to make Jack of hearts a whole bunch of like frozen food, like hot pockets and, uh, pizza rolls. (laughs) And it's just so charming. It, it feels like we are in a period of superhero comics where even like mainstream superhero titles are sort of like post-superhero, or at least post-traditional superhero action, where you can intersect different genres with superhero stuff and really make it work. And She-Hulk as a romance title under Rainbow Rowell is just really good.
0: Yeah, that's one that I need to catch up on. Because I remember really, really liking the first couple
1: of issues. But, as is so often the case. Yeah, it's what happens. It's what happens. Uh, One last book that, Chris, you wanted to talk about is World's Finest number 12, uh, which you read. I read... Lazarus Planet Omega, uh, which is also by Mark Wade, and I think if it doesn't tie into the current World's Finest stuff, it certainly has tied into World's Finest. Uh, but ultimately just ends with, yeah, they are going to be a bunch of new superheroes, they're going to have different powers. Uh, so that's what Lazarus Planet Omega is about. What was World's Finest about? Matt? It's interesting that you bring
0: up the idea of She-Hulk as a romance comic, because this is literally a comic about Supergirl and Robin having a bad date. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I kind of like that, because it is two characters that I believe this is seeded earlier in World's Finest of, it's Robin, it's Supergirl, they are attractive people of a similar age.
1: Yeah, it's it's in the first arc that they have, like, this sort of, like, romantic history with each other.
0: Yeah. They go on a date, and it's bad. Because, like, from Jump Street, it's bad. Because Supergirl gets there in civilian clothes, and Robin is there in his full costume. And then it goes downhill from there. And it goes downhill in a way that is very believable for the two of them. like. Robin is like too much of a showman and likes the spotlight too much. And Supergirl is just kind of boring and talks a lot about the different kinds of kryptonite. And at one point, uh Supergirl's like, wow, you know, like you know, you're you're a, a born showman. And Robin's like, yeah, my family were all acrobats, um, but then they uh died in front of me. And you you cut to dick and bruce like working out and he's like yeah i told her my parents were killed and she acted like it was nothing and bruce goes maybe it's because her parents died along with her extended family all of her friends everyone she knew everyone she ever met and about nine billion complete strangers (laughs) which is pretty good and you know like they're at a restaurant and robin's like boy that food tour has taken a a long time like aren't you hungry supergirl just goes yeah i don't
1: really get hungry it's very funny. It's good stuff. That sounds great. That's another one I need to read. Yeah.
0: Uh, I would read Mark Wade and Dan Mora doing superheroes just basically hanging out as much as they wanted to publish
1: that as comic books. That sounds like a very fun time. You know what else sounds like a fun time, Chris? I believe I do know what else sounds like a fun time, Matt. Talking about Mark Grunewald, Captain America. Yeah, boy. Chris, I feel like we have an audience that is especially suited to be interested in our sponsor, Paperlike. We do a podcast that's mostly about comic books. We have a lot of artists who listen to the show. And the Paperlike screen protector for the iPad makes writing and drawing on an iPad feel like you're writing and drawing on paper.
0: That's right, Matt. Now dig this. I'm a note taker. I'm a notebook guy. I'm a stationary guy, a pen guy. But ever since I got the new iPad with the Apple Pencil, I've loved taking notes on it. The only thing that stops me is that it doesn't feel like writing on paper, which I love. I love that feeling. It's one of the reasons that I take notes so much and write down on paper. But with paper like. I get that feeling with the convenience, the editability, everything that I love about taking notes on the iPad with the Apple Pencil, I get with the feeling of writing on paper, which sounds so simple, but is so very nice.
1: And if you're wondering how Paperlike makes it feel like that, they have this technology. It's a proprietary technology called NanoDots, and that creates the natural resistance of paper while you're writing on your iPad screen. It's pretty amazing. And even if you're not an artist, even if you're just a person who likes to take notes, who needs to write things down to remember them, you're going to really, I think, like the feel of having this on your iPad. And Chris, I know you've been using yours. It was so weird when
0: I started taking notes on the iPad, because as much as I like the convenience, it's weird to see my handwriting and notice the differences between when I have that resistance and when it's moving across something so smooth. We're we're 40, you and I, right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I've been writing on paper for a long time, so it took me a minute to really get used to. With paper-like, though, I get to just have that same feeling that feels so familiar, feels so comfortable. But I get to erase when I write a letter that looks weird which i do in paper notebooks all the time i can never get my b to look right you know my my b always looks weird what like i get it right one out of seven times with paper like i get the feeling of writing on paper but i get to go back and fix it if i don't like the way that b looks and that's nice that's important to me i know i sound like i'm obsessing but that's the kind of product this is If you are the person who obsesses over the feeling of writing on paper,
1: like I do, then you will love it. The latest iteration of Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils that are designed for maximum picture clarity. They're not going to obscure the image on your iPad. And every Paperlike comes in a set of two. So if you need to replace it, or if you have two iPads, you will have two Paperlikes to put on your screen here's what you need to do to pick up your paper like head over to paperlike.com slash ajax click buy Paperlike, and select your ipad size if you're ready to do more with your ipad head over to paperlike.com slash ajax to get started Captain America, issue 420. This is the thing we texted each other about, Chris. This is the thing we texted each other about. Captain America, issue number 420, is an issue in which Steve Rogers, Captain America, battles the blazing skull. He blazes it in 420. This has to just be a happy accident, right? It has to be.
0: I mean, look, we know Mark Grunwald was cool, but I don't know
1: if he was, like, 420 cool. Were people saying Blaze It in 1993? I mean, probably. Right? Probably. I feel like that is a more recent
0: colloquialism, but I could be wrong. What I wanted to do for this installment of Groonies was uh, both of us take edibles and just talk about this one issue. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's not that much to say, unfortunately. But no, but but I bet we'd be hilarious. <laughs> There'd be a lot of like long pauses that I wouldn't know what to do with in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. This is another issue with a cover th- where the background is just a gradient. It's a red gradient. And yeah. Captain America is punching blazing skull on the cover and and he that's is, what you get who is blazing that's right the star Are, is still weird the the
0: star is pretty whack yeah <laughs> the, the the star is pretty whack throughout we i think we've been pretty positive towards Rick Levins in the time that that in his tenure on the book for, for, he's he's definitely improved since he started Like, we've talked about him having, like, Kirby energy. Like,
1: and it continues in these issues.
0: Yeah. He gets whack, though, in the next couple issues. Shit goes wild
1: for Rick Levins. I believe we're actually at the end of his tenure.
0: Yeah, because we do. But when by the time we get into fighting chance, we get uh, Dave Hoover doing art, who's who's very yeah. very good, and I think we get a couple of fill ins that we're going to be talking about today. To uh, Phil Go- Phil Gozier, who sounds like a a guy who would do, do fill ins, like he he does some of the most whack art. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think 420 to 422, that might be the end of Rick Levins. But there is – 422 especially,
1: it's fucking bonkers, man, the art that we I, get in these. Anyway, for issue 420 starts out – you're talking about Kirby stuff. It starts out as Kirby as it can be. Yeah, bud. Because we get a big f- full-page splash – Page one Captain America and a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. guys, including Nick Fury, raiding the Red Skull's base in the Rocky Mountains. Then a big two page splash of Captain America just wrecking some dudes. And then, like, Nick Fury, like, way up close in the foreground, like, shouting, holding a big gun over the. Title of this issue: Skull Sessions, and like this, this is as Kirby as you can get in 1993.
0: Yeah, I I dig this part honestly. Like, very much Kirby energy. Plus, we get uh, uh, Nick Fury saying the line: "Come on, you gold bricks, wiggle out of your jetpacks and fall in."
1: Yeah, we got some hostile fire happening here. The next several pages are just the raid on the Red Skull's compound, which includes Captain America running into the compound and saying, better get inside before Nick and crew open up and decorate my back with friendly fire. Maybe, not...
0: maybe these are not the guys you should be trusting, Cap.
1: Yeah, that is not a good level of trust, Cap. But Nick Fury and the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. dudes just shoot a bunch of Red Skull soldiers, like, on panel. They just get shot up. Yeah. It's not quite like when
0: um, uh, John Walker killed all those guys. Yeah. But it's not, not, not quite that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Cap rushes into the compound. He finds something that looks like the Red Skull sitting in front of a big monitor bank like villains did at this time. But it's just a dummy with a Red Skull mask on. And it's like it's like the mask off the backs of, back of a cereal box. It's got a little string on the back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it's got a sign on, the dummy has a sign on it that says, always one step ahead of you. And uh, then it explodes. And nope, Red Skull's not here. Quasar shows up for like two pages for no good reason. Quasar shows up to remind you that you could also be reading Quasar, also written by Mark Grunewald right now. Yeah, I guess that's it. Cap's like, well, I lost Red Skull. Nick, do you have any leads on him? And Nick's like, well, there's this one guy called the Blazing Skull who might be working for him. So Cap goes and finds the Blazing Skull in Los Angeles, California, Lipstick City, where Blazing Skull is fighting Digger. Remember Digger? You
0: might from from the Shrouds. What are who are they? They're, They're the, the Night
1: Watch. The Night Shift. They're called the the Night, Night Shift. Shift. Yeah. That's right, because he calls them the Shifties. Digger appeared much earlier in this run. Yeah, it's looked, been minutes since that story with the shroud in it. Yeah, and it, he looked nothing like this. <laughs> he lo, he just looks like Mister Hyde in this. Yeah, he's got like one big fucked up eye. Yeah,
0: <sighs> Mark Mark Grunwald. Matt, I'm going to say this, and you're going to agree with me, and you'll know what I mean. Mark Grunewald kind of the Vince Russo of Marvel Comics, Crash TV. He had he wanted to give everybody time. Yeah, he wanted to put D'Lo Brown in the comic, make sure he got some screen time. Uh huh. You know, maybe when Mark Ruml's not around, D'Lo Brown doesn't get any screen time. The night shift doesn't get over. So you're saying that
1: Digger is the D'Lo Brown?
0: <laughs> I I I think maybe the Shroud is the D'Lo Brown and. Digger might be like the the guys in DOA
1: who weren't neo-Nazis. So Cap shows up during this fight to confront Blazing Skull and say, "Hey, I heard you work for the Red Skull." And Blazing Skull is like, "No, I don't. I'm I'm not a Nazi. What the fuck?" Yeah, what? He literally goes, "That Nazi war criminal?" <laughs> And Cap's like, well, I got word from one of the top intelligence agencies that you are working together. And Blazing Skull's like, well, they're not as intelligent as you think then, because I don't work with him. That's when the rest of the Night Shift shows up, uh, which includes, in addition to Digger, the Brothers Grimm, Misfit, and Needle. Uh, none of whom are getting over. I'm none afraid.
0: of these guys are getting over. The brothers Grimm are god awful.
1: <laughs> they have a very GI Joe look about them, but
0: yeah, I mean, look, that's that is true. I do like their costumes. I don't like that there's
1: two of them. Yeah, they're very Tweedledee and Tweedledum, uh, sort of.
0: Yeah. And I think they have a cool power, which, as far as I can tell from this comic book, their power is that they can just, like, make meat cleavers and saw blades appear in their hands whenever they want. Which is pretty, like, honestly, if that's your power, what else are you going to do?
1: Needle, meanwhile, needs to pick a lane. Uh-huh. Needle's got, like, a fencing sword, but also wrist guns. And, like, a weird half-and-half half mask. He's a sketch of Deathstroke. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. Holy cow, you nailed it. Yeah. I just don't get that one half of his mask that's, like, hanging off.
0: Like, the, Yeah, he's got, like, a loose half of his mask. He's yeah. got, like, an undercut mask.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You'd think the I the
0: hair was a mask.
1: Yeah, I you would think I would think that would be look cooler, but it, it doesn't. Yeah. So they fight for a while. Captain America and Blazing Skull work together to take down all these guys in the night shift, because they all suck. And then Blazing Skull tells his story, which is that he works with Dr. Druid, and he comes from another dimension, or he got sent to another dimension where he had to fight dinosaurs.
0: Yeah, it, you would know about this if you read Skull the Slayer number one through eight and Marvel 2 and one number 35 and 36.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which I have. Uh, he got, but he, when he was in the dinosaur universe, he got this belt that gave him like special powers, but it also turned him into, he couldn't get the belt to come off. So one time when he was trying to get the belt off, it made him into this. It made him into a, as he calls it, human X ray. Then we get a big page of the Red Skull in his fucking mint green blazer in in his very <laughs> very Mr. McMahon gear. He does look like Mr. McMahon. His fucking double breasted mint green blazer. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what's I'll tell you what is the best thing about this. Just shout out to Rick Levin's for this one. He's got little Red Skull shaped cufflinks.
1: That's true, which is great, but he reveals that he is the one that leaked it to shield that he was working with blazing skull to throw captain america off of his trail and but he also is considering working with blazing skull so keep an eye on him machine smith then there's some bullshit that happens at the end of this with nomad
0: yeah uh we're going to get a crossover Was Nomad coming up? Uh, We do get, I'll tell you what, I do not want to read any issues of Nomad, and I did not read any issues of Nomad. Nor did I. But I'll tell you this, at the end of the letter column, we get a little next issue blurb that says, Next, Nomad goes nuts and Cat must go wild to stop him. (laughs)
1: And that did kind of make me want to read it. I feel like this is the influence of editor Mike Rockwitz. Like Mike Rockwitz, really? If, if anybody's the Vince Russo bringing the crash TV, it's Mike Rockwitz. Could be. Uh, Captain America number four hundred twenty-one. Good, good gravy! This cover has a background.
0: I mean, it does, but only like 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 a
1: quarter of the cover has a background. <laughs> yeah, the bottom third. Yeah, has a wall. But, you know, the top is a ceiling. That's fine. Uh, But it's got Captain America charging toward Nomad, who is shooting at Captain America with a shotgun. As the slug sits in the background on a gigantic beanbag chair. And uh, the blurb on the cover is, versus Nomad for the life of the slug? So this one starts out buck-fucking-wild. Ha ha (laughs)
0: ha! Yeah, if you if you missed that last issue of uh, Nomad by by the team Supreme of uh, Fabian Nicieza and I
1: don't know who was drawn who was drawn Nomad. I mean, I can uh, look it up. I can look up who drew nom- Nomad number nineteen.
0: Fabian Nicieza and Bill Wiley. Which oh, and Greg Adams. Uh, Greg Adams, who I know IRL. Uh, Because he used to work, uh, live in Columbia. Uh And uh, he let me ink some rubble in an issue of Extreme X-Men once. That was really fun. Uh, And Scott Koblish, who I worked with on uh, on X-Men 92, did this. And I will say this. It looks like a comic from a completely different decade than Cats in America.
1: That Nomad issue.
0: That issue of Nomad.
1: Yeah, with the Michael Golden cover. Yeah. Uh, But we didn't read that. We didn't read that issue. We just skipped ahead to this Captain America issue that starts with Captain America with his fucked up star confronting Nomad who has a giant Nazi armband on, which is jarring. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So what we will discover over the course of this issue is that this this issue is kind of told out of order. So... We start with Captain America and Nomad fighting with Slug in the room, and Nomad wants to not only kill Slug, but also kill Captain America, because he's saying, you tried to kill me! And Cap's like, no I didn't, what are you talking about? So then we flash back to Captain America going to Orlando, where he discovers that Dr. Faustus has set up in this like sanitarium where he's keeping Nomad prisoner, and so Cap's trying to free Nomad from Dr. Faustus, but Nomad's not there because Dr. Faustus has sent Nomad to Miami, where the slug's mansion is, so then Captain America has to hoof it all the way to Miami, to try to find Nomad. And we will find that Nomad has been brainwashed by Dr. Faustus into not only thinking that Steve Rogers is actually the Captain America of the 1950s, the bad cap, the grand director, but also that his father, Nomad's father, was a Nazi. So he should be a Nazi. Like, There's literally a story beat in here where Cap's like, look, I'm not the Cap of the 1950s. That was a different Captain America. I didn't try to kill you. And so Nomad's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You didn't try to kill me. Wow. But I'm still a Nazi, so I still hate you. (laughs) And that's when Captain America has to be like, look, 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 just because your dad was a Nazi doesn't mean you should be. Like, even if we believe that your father was a secret Nazi, like, you don't have to be. I don't believe everything my dad did. My yeah, dad sucked. Yeah, my dad sucked. So, like maybe don't? Like, maybe don't. Uh <laughs> but it doesn't work, so they have to do more in the next issue of Nomad, <laughs> which we didn't read. Yeah. Uh, But Slug tries to get away and uh, gets. He's got like this floating platform thing. And we've talked about Slug before the last time he showed up, which
0: was also a fucking Nomad story.
1: Uh huh.
0: He's not. I mean, look, A, he's never going to get over. But also, like. He's not great. His whole deal is that he's just
1: like a. Very very obese man. Yeah. He in fact he refers him to himself as my obesity in this issue. Like he doesn't say my body or my being. He says my obesity. Anyway, Nomad's pals shoot down Slug and he like falls into some water. And that's that's it for Slug. But we're not gonna finish this story with Nomad, because we didn't read the issues of Nomad.
0: Yeah. Uh, I do like Cap refers to, I don't know if it's their official name, but he calls Nomad's uh, friends that he has the All Loser Squad. Mm-hmm. Which is a great little deep cut Marvel Comics joke. And I believe that's Transom, Hardhat,
1: and Folio. That's like That's just like somebody literally pointing to some words in a dictionary to name characters. Yeah, man.
0: You gotta get all the nouns copyrighted.
1: Yeah, for real. Uh, Captain America number 422 is not the issue with the weird art. I think it's 424.
0: Well, 422 has this panel of Cap and D-Man jogging that is wild. But this is still Rick Levin's. It is, but like, it's it's Rick Levin's Cap and D-Man are not in their costumes, and it's like Cap's whole body is now taking the place of the star in that we know that Rick Levins can draw a a human being,
1: uh-huh.
0: but is choosing to draw it in a way that doesn't make sense. And also, I don't know who this is later in the, the issue at Avengers headquarters. Marilla? I don't know who that is,
1: but I don't like it. I also was like... Who is this? I gotta look up who Marilla is. Because cause Marilla is a character who is depicted as being, like, the cook. She's taking care of a baby
0: who I all... I, I guess that's Luna, so that's Quicksilver and Crystal's kid.
1: Yeah. Marilla is an Inhuman, who is the nanny to the Inhuman royal family. Okay. And... She is drawn on model. It's not a good model. Rick Levins is drawing Marilla as other artists have drawn Marilla. So this, you cannot put this one on Rick Levins.
0: Okay. All right. I don't like it, though. You know who first drew Marilla?
1: John Byrne. No, this is going to blow you away. This is going to blow you away. Who? Steve Epting. Really,
0: yeah. Steve, he doesn't listen to the show, but Steve, what
1: were you thinking? <laughs> the the panel of Cap being like very wide out jogging with D-Man. My favorite detail about that panel is Cap's shirt, which says "Bum Wrap." Yeah, because remember, remember that brand from the nineties, Bum Equipment. I do. It's that, but it says rap. Fucking wild. (laughs) It's great. So, back to the cover of this issue. Captain America is on a rooftop being attacked by a new character named Blistic. And the blurb says, introducing one of the biggest nut jobs that Cap has ever faced. (laughs) Uh Is anyone ready for Blistic? So Blistic is a very odd character design.
0: Yeah, blistic bl- B L I S T I K. Mm-hmm. Not Ballistic, which nope. the name of the issue is going ballistic. Yeah. Ballistic is nothing.
1: He's he his okay, so the color scheme of his costume is purple and orange. And he's kind of got, like, a Dr. Mindbender thing going on with his mask. He has, again, this is another
0: guy who only has, like, one eye in his mask. Yeah. But he's got, like, his eye hole looks like a monocle.
1: Yeah, like, that. that's why it reminds me of Dr. Mindbender.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he's basically, like, his gimmick is that he's basically the elite from the Ennis Dillon Punisher. But, but like, the, In this issue,
1: we don't really learn anything about him.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, I bet we're never going to learn anything about him because this motherfucker ain't getting over, dude. (laughs) This is really like, there's a section of this run. I think a lot of this run is like really good, obviously. Like, even the later bits of it, I think, are good. But there is a section where it's just like, let's introduce this guy. Let's introduce this guy. Here's a new guy. New guy just dropped. And it's just like, it's weird because obviously this was a time when comics were still largely self contained. In that, like, there's obviously a continuing story, but, you know, Cap's got to fight, like, a different guy in every issue. That's kind of the style.
1: It doesn't have to be these guys, (laughs) I guess, is what I'm getting at. This issue starts with a gunman in the shadows. With what appears to be Captain America in his sights. It's actually two gunmen in the shadows. We will discover that they are not shooting at the real Captain America, but at his statue outside of Avengers Mansion. Because they want to send a signal to Captain America of, you know, we're coming for you. So Cap gets a call... As he's out in Central Park jogging with D-Man.
0: D-Man who looks like
1: he's power walking.
0: I've never seen anyone drawn to look more like they are power walking than Dennis the Demolition Man Dunphy in this scene.
1: Yeah, they both look like they're power walking there. They
0: do, but he's really got the... He's got that Olympic race walking hip motion going on.
1: Yeah. Uh, So Cap gets a call from Peggy Carter that's like hey, somebody shot up your statue at Avengers Mansion. You might want to come check it out. And Cap's like, D-Man, I gotta go. And D-Man's like, you're always leaving. And Cap's like, I'll make it up to you. I'll call you. Then we get a panel of him running through Central Park to get to Avengers Mansion and being annoyed at kids listening to Whoop There It Is on their boomboxes. Could those kids play those radios any louder? I had to screenshot that and put it on our Twitter. (laughs) Because it is such a snapshot of 1993. Whoop, there it is. Tag team, back again. Yeah. Check it to wreck it, let's begin. Party on, party people. Now, Captain America is just annoyed by this. But Blistic is like... This is noise pollution, and I'm going to deal with it. I'm Blistic, the urban Avenger. And he smashes their boomboxes. And tells them, this is but a warning. If I catch you committing a second infraction, you shall forfeit your citizenship. Which, I don't know how he would do that. Then we get a scene at Avengers headquarters, where this grotesque...
0: (laughs) character don't don't like her don't like her don't not into any of this part
1: uh marilla is making uh food for luna little luna and she is tripped by a robot one of fabian's robots and she gets furious and i guess goes and tells black widow that fabian needs to be fired because One of his little robots wandered into the kitchen. Meanwhile, Cap goes and investigates the statue of his that's been shot up. And while he's doing that, these same guys from earlier start shooting at him from a van. Which leads Captain America to think in a thought bubble, drive-by shootings are becoming all too (laughs) commonplace.
0: Um, Hang on, hang on. What what's the date on this, Matt? What are we looking at here? I think
1: this issue is from December nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. Okay, so this was this was before Tupac. Yes, was, was yes. tragically uh, uh, taken from us. Yes, but drive shootings had become all too commonplace. This is the most nineteen ninety three issue of this book. Like I can't I can't imagine a more dated issue of this book than this one. It really is. It is time
0: stamped in every single way. Yeah. Uh by the way, if you were wondering what um sounds like when a bullet hits Captain America's Shield, here's some options. Spitang, spating, spatow, spoon sping. All all valid. All valid. Uh I also like that when Cap starts to chase down this van on foot. He says, Not good enough. It's speeding away from me. Of all times for traffic to be light, gotta pour it on.
1: Max it out! (laughs) Which is very good. It's very, very good. (laughs) That's that's how Captain America psychs psychs himself up. He says, Max out! Uh, So he calls a cab and tells the cab to follow the van. The van is speeding away and hits a pedestrian. Although it's not clear if the pedestrian is actually hit, but it's they come very close. Yeah, he looks like John Byrne. <laughs> he does. Uh, which leads Blistic to show up and blast inside the van and set it on fire. So Cap has to actually get these guys who were tra- just trying to kill him out of the van and save their lives. So, we never really find out who these guys are. They're just, well, like, you guys who want to kill Captain America. Despite
0: the burns, I recognize this fellow. He was one of the gunmen working for Dr. Faustus.
1: Yeah, that's He that's must it. have been
0: assigned to whack
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're nobody, these guys. Yeah. Uh, but Moon yeah. Hunter... Log, local shows, talent. Enhancement talent. Yeah. Moon Hunter shows up on a sky cycle like, after everything's done... And Cap, like, explains to him what happened. Then we get a scene of Fabian, who's really upset because he, Marilla got so mad at him. So he writes Captain America a note and leaves Avengers Man- Mansion. Cap comes back to Avengers Mansion, finds Black Widow. Black, Black Widow's like, hey, you got to do something about Fabian. And Cap's like, I'll talk to him in the morning. I got too much going on. Then we cut to Wakanda General Hospital, where Diamondback has finally woken up from her comatose state that she's been in. And the second she awakens, she grabs the nurse by the collar and says, Where am I? How did I get here? It's badass. It is. Like the expression on her face is like she is just ready to wreck somebody.
0: Yeah. Love Diamondback. I like how she grabs this nurse because she's she's at Wakanda General Hospital. Yeah. Uh and and the nurse says, You were brought here by Captain America. And she goes, Where is he? And the nurse goes, America. <laughs> I think. That wouldn't make sense, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, So Diamondback starts to get her memory back about how she wrecked the Sky Cycle, however many issues ago. And in the middle of the night, Captain America gets a phone call from Wakanda, letting him know that Diamondback has woken up. And the Doctor's going to put Diamondback on a plane, and she's going to be in America in 12 hours. And so with that news, Captain America can't sleep and he says like ah, i need somebody to talk to i got to like f- find a way to kill some time i'll go talk to fabian so he goes to fabian's lab and he finds his note about like i'm leaving nobody likes me anymore and caps like is this a goodbye note or a suicide note and wouldn't you know it fabian has gone to the top of whatever bridge this is, <laughs> I don't know which bridge this is. I don't know which bridge it is either. It kind of does look like the George Washington Bridge, but only because I've seen that bridge in a lot of Marvel comics. Yeah, I, it could be the George Washington Bridge. It could be the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm I'm not sure which one it is. But Fabian's about to jump, and Blistic is here saying like, "We'll go ahead and do it before rush hour starts."
0: Yeah, come on, you're you're blocking up traffic, man. Which I do think is honestly pretty funny.
1: <laughs> it it it's like a good example of like if a superhero was just a little more of an asshole. I just I don't get what Blistic is supposed to be. Like he doesn't act like a human being. No, he doesn't. But he's he's telling you know Fabian, hey, just jump. And then Cap shows up and he's like stop being a dick to Fabian. Don't stop telling him to jump. And Blistic shoots at Cap's sky cycle, making him fall. So Cap has to catch himself and get up on a cable on the bridge. And there's a moment where he's like, I feel like my arm's about to give out, but I have to keep trying. So he climbs up and ends up slicing Blistic's. He's got this little staff that I guess is the source of all his power. Because as soon as Cap slices that in half, sound effect, chunt. Which I did laugh at. (laughs) Ballistic just goes falling into the river. And Captain America's reaction to that is, hope he's an expert diver. Yeah, you might remember that, that...
0: Captain America fucking started this run like killing a guy because he felt he had no other choice and he was like oh no what have i done i should stand trial iron man you went and killed the supreme intelligence that's whack as hell uh and now he's like well fuck that guy i guess yeah that's how much of a non person
1: This guy is. Upon doing a little research, this has to be the Brooklyn Bridge, not the George Washington Bridge. Because it's brick and not metal scaffolding. Anyway, Fabian's like, I didn't think the Avengers wanted me. And Cap goes, well, I don't care if they want you or not, because you're going to come work for me. Because I'm going to move out of Avengers Mansion. There's there's a place that was brought up some number of issues ago that can be my new headquarters.
0: <laughs> Rocketansky & Company
1: Costume Shop. Yeah. In Brooklyn Heights. So, these next few issues, Cap's going to be moving out of Avengers Mansion. Captain America 423 is... Written by Roy Thomas with pencils by M. C. Wyman. It's a World War II flashback story. Franklin D. Roosevelt is in it, <laughs> and we're not going to talk about it. I am reasonably certain that Namor tries to kill Franklin D. Roosevelt, and Cap has to save him. But who cares? It's yeah. it's not a groom-mult.
0: This ain't a this ain't this ain't Roy of. I don't know what's. I I don't have a good one like Greenies.
1: This ain't Thomas's English muffins.
0: Yeah, all right. Yeah,
1: okay. Thomas's American pie. It's these are Grunies. Captain America number 424. Instantly different art style on the cover where Captain America is fighting some guys on the left and Sidewinder is in uh, not quite silhouette, but monochrome on the right in the background. And uh, the cover blurb is Sneak sneak Attack by the Sidewinder. The art in this issue is, as you mentioned, Chris, by Phil Gozier. And you know what I was thinking the whole time I was reading this? Because I don't hate this art. I really don't. But it feels like not art from the regular Captain America book. It feels like the art from the Captain America Adventures animated series tie-in book for an animated series that didn't really exist. (laughs) Yeah, Like,
0: I don't hate the way he draws a lot of things. Like, but there is like a certain over exaggerated cartooniness
1: to everything. He has some really like diamond back looks really cool in a bunch of panels. She's got these diamond earrings that her are her little like diamond throwing stars. Yeah. That again feel like something you would see in the design of a cartoon of the era, you know? Like if there was a Captain America early 90s cartoon, like, the Spider-Man cartoon, and the Fantastic Four cartoon, and the Iron Man cartoon. I feel like this is kind of what it would look like.
0: Yeah, very much so. I think, that, like, you nailed it. He, people look so weird. That, like, when Sidewinder shows up in costume, I don't think that's what Sidewinder looks like. <laughs> it's like his
1: cartoon design. It's like his cartoon design. It's yeah. It really is what so much of this looks like. It, like... It's not bad. It's just such a shift. It's a I'll, real big shift. I'll tell you the weirdest thing that Paul Gozier draws in here. Uh, is it that one face that Cats in America makes that I send to you? Okay, that does look wild. It's very exaggerated. It's not Paul Gozier, it's Phil Gozier. Sorry. That face he makes is pretty wild. But even weirder to me is... Captain America in his trench coat and fedora. The standard disguise that he wears throughout this run. Yeah, over his full costume. Where the hat is just so big.
0: Well, it's got to be mad. He's got wings on his head. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he wears it when he goes to visit Sidewinder's kid in the hospital. huh. At which time he has no reason to really be in disguise.
1: And he does it, try to hide his identity. Yeah, but he's still wearing it. Maybe he's reason. just cold. Maybe, maybe it's cold in that hospital. The best thing about it
0: is that, like, we see Cap wearing his trench coat and hat and reading a newspaper, but like nothing is covering the lower part of his body. So he's wearing like blue spandex tights and red buccaneer boots.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, So the title of this issue is The Last Operation. We start with Rachel and Cap, Diamondback and Cap, being reunited at Avengers Mansion. They're really happy to see each other again. Uh, And Cap lets her know that he's moving out of Avengers Mansion. And Diamondback reacts to news that Cap is moving out by saying, like, oh, I've been in a coma for months I haven't paid rent in like six months, so I wonder if I have a place to live. But, hey, even the street is better than a hospital. I don't think that's true, Rachel. I also don't know if that's necessarily true. We cut to a hospital. Genius scene transition. Yeah. Sidewinder is reading a book to his daughter. We don't know that this is Sidewinder, even though we have seen him unmasked before. But it's not... Immediately evident that this is Sidewinder. He is a bald man with a mustache. Uh, And we find out that his daughter has a rare disease uh, that is making her have seizures. It's a brain problem. And she's going to have surgery, but he doesn't have insurance because it's lapsed. So he's got to find a way to pay for his daughter to have surgery. There's a couple more pages of like just Cap doing moving stuff. Like we get Fabian like trying to figure out what stuff he wants to take with him and what stuff he doesn't. And he's wearing this costume. He's wearing this like jacket with A's on the on the sleeves, which again is such a cartoony design.
0: Now he does th- that is the official Avenger support staff uniform.
1: Yes, it is. But it I, it's never looked as cartoony as it does here.
0: No, it hasn't. Nor has Fabian in general.
1: Yeah. It's, it's like real Ghostbusters stuff. Yes. Yes. I was
0: just looking at him and, and trying to figure out what it reminded me of, and you crushed it.
1: <laughs> While that's going on, Steve is alerted to have gotten – he got a phone call from Sidewinder asking him for help. So he goes to meet Sidewinder, and Diamondback insists on going with him, which is smart because she knows Sidewinder. She used to work for him. So they meet at this train station, and Sidewinder says, Look, my daughter is sick, and I don't want to do crimes to have to pay for her operation. So instead of me doing crimes, why don't you give me the money? It's probably a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> and Cap's like, I can't just give you a quarter of a million dollars. I didn't even know you had a daughter. I feel like, okay. I feel like Sidewinder's being very reasonable here. <laughs> he, he is until he's not. Because, it's, look, it's not unreasonable for Cap to be like, well, I can't just give you this money because, first of all, I don't have it. Like, I'd have to figure out a way to get it.
0: And oh, two, okay, that would be a concern if Captain America at the end of the issue didn't go, yeah, I
1: can get him a quarter million dollars. That's no problem. Yeah. But also, it's like Sidewinder is a known criminal and he doesn't know anything about his personal life. So, how is Cap to know that this isn't just a story, like a setup? To steal money from him, so uh, to interrogate it a little, is it unreasonable either? Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty
0: much on Sidewinder's side because his insurance doesn't cover this life saving treatment for his daughter.
1: Now, yeah, so we talked about how dated that one issue was. This is this is timeless. Timeless. The American well, Healthcare System. The one thing that you sent me. Yeah, the American healthcare system not working.
0: Except for you uh, sending me the panel where Sidewinder talks about Hillary's national health care program.
1: Yeah, Sidewinder was too hopeful. Sidewinder was like, we just got to keep voting, and things will change.
0: Yeah, and that doesn't work, so you know what? Sidewinder fucking takes it to the streets, and I'm on his side.
1: <laughs> so he, as soon as Captain America's like, I need more information... Sidewinder flips out and uh, leaves and goes and does a crime. But he does steal money from other criminals at first. Uh, And we get a little bit more of Cap and Rachel. And Cap's trying to get information out of Diamondback where it's like, Can you tell me about Sidewinder's family? Like, Does he have a family? Does he have a daughter? And Diamondback's like, you're asking me to betray someone's trust, and you shouldn't. And so finally Diamond's back, like, it's like, look, i got to go figure some stuff out on my own. I'll come back. So she goes and meets Sidewinder. And she finds Sidewinder with all this money. And she's like, look, I want to help you, but you got to help me. So like you got to tell me about your family and you got to tell me what's going on and like what what really happened. Also you shouldn't have stolen that money. And Sidewinder reveals to her that like it's all true and also he's the reason the whole reason he started the serpent society is because he gets terrified when he tries to like actually be in the action himself. He like freezes up. So he's not good at this. Meanwhile, Captain America goes and visits Sidewinder's ex-wife and daughter at the hospital and finds out that, yes, all of this is indeed true. There really is a daughter. She really is sick. She really needs this operation. Then he gets a call about a disturbance, uh, Cap, Cap does, on 34th. Which he knows is Sidewinder trying to steal more money. And this one went bad. Sidewinder gets shot multiple times. But he's wearing body armor, so he's not actually harmed. Uh, But he's like caught in a really bad situation. And so Captain America and Diamondback have to show up and fight off all these criminals that Sidewinder is trying to steal from. And this, it's during this that we get that wild panel of Captain America with the super distorted face. They beat the criminals. Diamondback talks to Sidewinder. Sidewinder's like, You had to bring Captain America, huh? And Diamond's back's like, I couldn't have done this by myself. And then they finally talk it out, and Captain America makes a deal with Sidewinder where he's like, Look, I can make sure that your daughter gets the money for the operation that she needs but you have to turn yourself in for your crimes.
0: Yeah, man. That's fucked up. (laughs) This issue's the least that I have liked Captain America as a person in this entire run. Because it's not just that he's, like, a square, but, like, even Diamondback, when she's like, hey, you shouldn't have stolen that money from those guys. So I wonder, like, kind of rightly, goes, okay, they were, like, full-ass drug dealers though and I just knocked them out and stole money that they had taken that they had stolen from other people to buy a cardboard box full of cocaine. So I don't really feel bad about that. And then Captain America's like, hey um I'll I'll get your daughter her uh life saving medical treatment, but uh you gotta go to jail. And it's like Cap, that's fucked up man. I'm sorry.
1: That's like pretty fucked, dude. It's Cap having an unyielding belief in the carceral system.
0: Yeah, man. Which, look, is is very America, but still and very
1: very superhero comics. Let's be real. But I mean, it's
0: very superhero comics. Yeah.
1: Cap does have a moment of redemption right after that, though, because Diamondback's like, "Look, I'm going to tell you why I crashed the sky cycle and why things I, things have been so weird with me. I keep hallucinating." Snapdragon. I keep seeing Snapdragon because I'm pretty sure I killed her. I held her head underwater until she didn't move anymore.
0: <laughs> which like that is literally what she says. Cap's like, Why do you think you killed her? And she says, Because I held her head underwater until she stopped moving.
1: Yeah. And Cap just goes, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Diamondback, which I what I think is a pretty fair assumption, is like if you don't want to date me anymore, if you don't want to have anything to do with me because I did a murder, that's 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 what it is. And Cap's like, well, you are going to have to go and stand trial for what you did, and we're going to have to find out if Snapdragon's really dead. But I will stick by you through everything, which is a pretty stand-up moment from Captain America, I have to say. Yeah, that's true, which I do appreciate. Uh, then we get an epilogue where Sidewinder's daughter has had her brain operation, and she's going to be okay. And Sidewinder has to call her from prison. She's like, you're the best daddy in the whole world. But he's not. he can't be there because Captain America made him go to prison. Yeah. Finally... Captain America number 425, Fighting Chance, book one. It all starts here. Witness the most startling event in the life of America's greatest hero.
0: I would say maybe maybe don't say the most startling event in the life of America's greatest hero so soon after
1: he was briefly a werewolf. No, yeah, that's true. That's uh, pretty startling. That's, that You were not wrong. I think. What we have on this cover is... A big Captain America with his mask on, a smaller Captain America with his mask off, crying is what it looks like, and then a smaller figure that is Super Patriot. Because, yes folks, we get a new Super Patriot this issue. Also, it must be observed, new logo. And this logo sucks. I do don't like this logo it's very big it's it takes very up big. a
0: lot of real estate and I hate the oval behind it on this particular cover it's
1: blocky it's it's not colorful i I do not like this logo this is the logo that will continue through the end of the run and I do not like it it's it's bad it's, it's bad very news. it's very Mid-90s. Yeah. So, we kick things off with a shadowy figure whose identity is not revealed in this issue. Uh, Will be eventually, but not revealed yet. Uh, Going to meet with the Tinkerer, and to let the Tinkerer know, hey, I want to take down Captain America. I have a personal crusade against Captain America. And the Tinker gives this person a shield. Well, I guess it is revealed that they're Super Patriot, but their identity, who they are under the mask, is not revealed. Yeah. So this is the new Super Patriot uh, who has a shield from the Tinkerer. Dave Hoover it has now joined up as the, the new penciler on the book. Honestly, not a huge divergence from... Rick Levins. No, not
0: not as as stylized as Levins, but again, a thing that's interesting about this book is that it has never looked like a 90s comic until pretty recently. Yeah, until pretty recently, but like, like even this issue, like, Dave Hoover still looks like kind of a late 80s Marvel artist, you know? Like, everybody's got weird legs, everybody's just (laughs) a little bit bow legged. Uh huh. Everybody's got a little little touch of the hip dysplasia.
1: Like like my poor dog does. It's it's interesting. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why this and some other books got heroes reborned. Because I think there was a sense that they were kind of behind the times.
0: Yeah, I mean like Iron Man got Heroes Reborned because nobody liked Iron Man to the point where Around the time that this was happening, they killed Iron Man and replaced him with a teenager. Yeah, and replaced him with a teenager. Yeah, Teen Tony. I did have to explain. Uh, I had the pleasure of explaining the crossing and Teen Tony to uh, our our buddy Annie Creighton mm-hmm. uh, in in my D anD D game the other day. That took about a half hour just to explain the crossing and why Tony Stark was a teenager, and then why Tony Stark was not a teenager anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did stuff. Uh, so, new Super Patriot. Then we cut to Captain America in the middle of a training exercise, which we don't know at the beginning is a training exercise, but pretty quickly it'll become clear. And he's thinking about how he just has been a step behind recently. Like every once in a while, his muscles will just feel heavy and he's not feeling right. So he's asked his doctor to check into it for him. And wouldn't you know it, there is his doctor who gives him the the news, who lays it on him, and says, Okay, look, the super soldier serum in your blood has started to deteriorate. There are some maladaptive effects. What's in your blood is breaking down. If you continue... To go as hard as you've been going as Captain America in the next year or so, you will have total muscular paralysis. If you live like a normal person and just do normal, you know, exertion, you can live a normal life. But those are your only options. And Cap's like, damn, I don't want to do experimental treatments because I don't want to be a guinea pig again. And you can't tell anybody about this, because I don't want to be an object of pity. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to clean up my mess here. I mean,
0: I mean, Kev, you know a lot of, a lot of
1: really smart people. And yet, his his way of dealing with this is to throw one of his training robots and go, Rog! Rog! He hates he hates him, um. He hates fucking it. hates it. Uh, meanwhile, an imposter Captain America shows up at a bar and starts drinking and buys everybody's drinks. <sighs> it's fucking bad Superman and Superman 3. <laughs> <laughs> Except th- this fake cap is nicer than evil Superman. At least he buys people a drink. Yeah.
0: Because everybody's nervous. Yep. I do like that we get, like, the various low-lives thought bubbles. The guy's like, I'm wanted for parole violations. Better scram. <laughs> the other guy being, like, costume crumbs up to something.
1: It's pretty fun. Then, in a very moody sequence in Cap's new headquarters, which is the Rakitansky costume shop, he tells Diamondback... About his diagnosis. It's supposed to be this like emotional moment where they're opening up to each other, but they're surrounded by masks and the whole sequence is colored in this like weird, moody coloring that looks like a fucking horror comic. It's strange. Like that last panel where they're surrounded by all these floating heads of like Magneto and a mummy.
0: Yeah, because it's a costume shop. Yeah, which I don't know, man. Like the, that's it's pretty wild. Like for this is going this is Captain America's new headquarters. We get a cutaway of it in this issue. Um, also, Diamondback is is dressed like the sexy version of animated series Mary Jane.
1: You're not kidding. She sure is. Fake Cap gets into a fight at the bar then he goes to a swanky midtown hotel to a fundraiser for a political candidate named Rudolph Bradley which i think is a combination of Rudy, Rudy Giuliani and Bill Bradley mm, okay i i wonder if those were the two candidates from uh no it can't be it can't be that cuz Bill Bradley was in the Senate at this time but I think they picked a republican's name and a democrat's name and combined them into one person here um but he goes to this fundraiser and he's like schmoozing and he's got this like unnamed date who kind of looks like diamondback but she's got blonde hair And also, everybody else at the party is, like, talking shit about her.
0: What's wild about this the woman that he's with is that she also has an undercut, but she's blonde, so it's not like she could be mistaken for Diamondback. And I kind of wonder if the intent from
1: Dave Hoover was that she would be, like, a fake Diamondback. Maybe. But she's got blonde hair, for sure. The party is attacked by Porcupine, who is dead. And in Cap's fight with Porcupine, everybody at the party gets stabbed with needles, with Porcupine needles. Poisoned Porcupine needles. Yes. Meanwhile, the real Captain America and Diamondback are on a date and this kid goes running by with a arm full of comic books. And so Captain America has to stop him. And because this kid has stolen comic books from a comic book salesman, and there's this whole conversation about the kid being like, "I don't read comics; I just collect them so I can sell them for money." <laughs>
0: and this then whole sequence. This is the like we have talked about how it's very easy to think of a of, of a character as being a creator's mouthpiece, mm-hmm. and how it's very obvious that like Mark Grunewald is not a square in the way that captain america is this is mark grunewald
1: yes so the kid says he doesn't read comics at all he just wants to collect them so he can resell them for money and then caps like he asks the comic book salesman do you read comics and the guy goes yeah i love anti-heroes like the punisher and wolverine (laughs) quick question who's making comics about the punisher <laughs> in this in this universe. <laughs> that is a good question. A, a universe where the Punisher is a wanted murderer. These are supposed to be these are the two bad comics fans that Captain America confronts here. Uh then Cap gets a call about how he's just been involved in a big fight at a political fundraiser. And he's like, No, I haven't, and the Por- porcupine is dead. What's going on? So he goes to the scene of the attack at the political fundraiser, and by the time he gets there, his imposter is gone. He does get interviewed by the news, where he's like, that had to have been an imposter. My favorite person on the street interview is the guy being like, not sticking around to face the consequences was real cold, man. He's right. It was cold.
0: And then he does the smart thing and calls a press conference to explain that it's not him. It, at last one does. Yeah.
1: So he sets up this press conference outside of Avengers Mansion at Avengers Park, where he's going to like say, that was an imposter, that wasn't me. And the whole plan is to lure out the imposter. But he can't fight anybody, so he has to promise Diamondback that he'll let all the other Avengers handle it. Yeah, instead of trying to fight anybody himself. I have and we he, gotten the scene by this point
0: where Super Patriot talks to whoever it is who has the, the, the it's necro shapeshifting powers. necro yeah, mimicry abilities is what it is.
1: Yeah, he's he's hinted at it before this. Yeah. There was there was a brief scene where they discussed it, yeah. Uh, but Cap has his press conference, he starts talking about how this was an imposter, and something unexpected happens. The original Masters of Evil show up and attack the crowd. And uh, Cap is like, this can't be possible, they're dead! And... He runs out into the crowd and starts trying to fight the Masters of Evil, but what we find out is nobody is really there. He's been tricked by uh, Mirage, the Master of Illusions, into thinking the Masters of Evil are there. And Super Patriot shows up and he says, don't worry about it, folks. I've taken care of Mirage. And I'm the new national symbol of America. Super Patriot. And also, Captain America, he's losing it, right? He he got into a big fight at a political rally, and, and now he's fighting people who aren't even there. Hey, make sure the proper charges are filed against Mirage, huh? And then he leaves. Diamondback chases after him, but doesn't manage to catch up to him. After Diamondback leaves... Black Widow's like, all right, I'm going to take Mirage uh, inside so we can get him dealt with. And Vision's like, hey, why don't you let me do that? Because I'm not a person. I'm not a human being. And uh, I won't be mesmerized by his powers. And Black Widow's like, fuck you. (laughs) I can do it, and you can't stop me. But then, almost immediately, Black Widow is like, yeah, he mesmerized me, and I had to let him go. I don't know what happened. So they check the security tape, and this person wasn't Mirage at all. They have turned themselves into the Purple Man. And Captain America pieces all this together, and he's like, this is someone who can use the powers and appearance of dead criminals Uh, We get a quick scene where Super Patriot and his uh, accomplice are talking about how Operation Smear is going great so far. And Captain America sits and talks to Diamondback about how the harder and faster I fight, the faster I lose everything. And, uh, And then that's where we leave it. We'll, we'll get into more Operation Fighting Chance next time. Matt, that wasn't startling.
0: I feel like this is the third time in this run that the Super Soldier
1: Serum has gone bad on him. Well, he lost it, and then he got it back, and now it's gone sour.
0: Yeah. You know what? So, he probably do
1: more meth. Because he's <laughs> fine when he was doing that. Yeah, the meth really helped him out. So we'll We'll see where it goes. We
0: will see where it goes as we careen ever closer to the end of Mark Grunewald's incredible run on Captain America. Matt,
1: that's it for the show. That's right. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, send us an Every Story Ever list or a Thursday Night Raw entry, or want to sponsor the show, or get in touch with us about something else, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at War Rocket Pod. You can hit us up on Tumblr at WarRocketPodcast.tumblr.com. And you can join our Discord, but you have to be invited to be on our Discord. So hit us up in one of the places I just mentioned to ask for a Discord invitation, and we'll get one to you if you ask nicely. WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about this show, War Rocket Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, mattdwilson.net is my page with links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com.
0: That is my website, and it's got links to everything I do. We will be back next week with another episode. I think it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be a real good one next week. I can can feel it in my bones. Well, I think this was a pretty good one this week. I think this was a pretty good one this week, Matt. We got to wiggle out of our jetpacks.
1: We did. We did, we did. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. And don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. Abortion
0: rights are human rights, too. And cops are not your friends. Don't listen to Captain America when he says
1: that. But we love you. We love you.
0: Yeah!